girl in the family. So they just loved on her all the time, and yet she always felt just a little bit outside. And she always wondered, who was my, you know, you hear that phrase, real mom, real dad? That's how we feel sometimes as children in an adoptive family. But as parents, we feel differently. I know this because I've sat around kitchen tables. I've listened to June and Sonny Bud. I've listened to Paul and Jan Lesperance. And listening to the realization that you are going to be able to have a family. And for you, it happened not just once, but twice. And both were miracles. And when I know the way I know listening to you and, and the love that you had, and for Morgan. As parents, there is no difference in whether you're loving a child that came from you or a child that was given to you. The love is the same. But we as children sometimes feel differently. And the point is not to blame the parents here. The point is that we are supposed to now be adopted by God. So we are the children. How do we respond to that? How do we respond by the invitation to say, I'm adopting you. How many of you had a crazy family? Anybody? How many of you had a family that you look down the outside and you think, I want to hang out at their kitchen table. I want to be, I want to be adopted into that family, not the crazy family that I have. This is an opportunity for you to claim. Paul says, we have not been given a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. We have not, you are not supposed to be scared. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to. You are loved unconditionally. You are welcome. You are wanted. Come here now and just sit on my knee and I will bounce you and burp you and love you and sing to you and put you to bed with a binky and all will be well. I mean, don't you sometimes, I mean... I mean, Michael we, Michael, we had to wrap him. When you talk about swaddling clothes, I get it, because he liked to be wrapped. I mean, this kid liked to be wrapped like a straitjacket. And when he couldn't move, oh, he was so happy. And I'm like claustrophobic, and if somebody even sits on me, I start to hyperventilate. So this doesn't seem cool, but like Michael loved it. And that's what God does. God wraps us up in God's arms, and God says, I love you, I love you, I love you. You are mine. Now, if you looked at the sermon title, it says, Of Trees and Adoption, and if you were confused, you are not the only one. So, I had this idea when it first came to me, and I thought, this idea is really cool. And then I came back to it this week, and I thought, what in the world was I thinking? So, if this doesn't completely pull together, uh, forgive me. Normally they do, but I'm going to work on this. Back at the beginning, when we're cruising around in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve are in the Garden of Eden, and there are two trees in the midst of the Garden of Eden. There are many trees, but there are two trees. And one of them is the knowledge of good and evil. 
And the other one is the tree of life. God says, you can have the tree of life. You can have the tree of life. You can eat of that tree. You're not supposed to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Isn't that interesting? How many of you think you've got to be good enough for God to love you? Anybody grow up with that? If you don't act the certain way, God's not going to love you. Not you. I, I don't know why I always... I'm going to... Well, yeah, the Spartan here. If you don't follow Michigan State, son, we're going to have to talk. Some, of, some people grew up this way. And they have an idea that God is like, okay, well, if God's going to love me, I need to know what I need to do. And God is saying in the knowledge of good and evil, no, you don't. You need to be my kid. You need to choose life. Embrace it. I give it to you freely. I want you to have it. Lay claim to it. Hold on to it. We want these distinctions. Who's in? Who's out? Who's right? Who's wrong? Who's following the law? Who's not following the law? Who's really a Christian and who's really not? Again, I mean, I think I've told this story, but, you know, when 9-11 happened and I was, I was with my uh, good friend and, and his father was reading the paper and, and we were talking about, you know, how these poor innocent people and he was like, well, we don't know what their prayer life was like. And it's like, okay, so the really cool thing about the Twin Towers was everyone with a bad prayer life went there. You know, that's a good trick. I don't know how they worked that out. I mean, yeah, you laugh, but it's like, what do we do in our minds to hold on to the idea that nothing bad will happen to a good person? Or that we have to behave in a certain way to earn God's love? Is there anything Stephen or Kathleen could have done to make you not love her or him? No. And believe me, they tested that theory on a number of occasions. Is there anything that Morgan could have done to say, I'm done. I don't love you anymore. No. Morgan knows in a way that only Morgan knows that you will always be there. God is the parent who says, the love that I have for an adoptive child is greater than anything you can imagine. And we are like children who wonder, but what do I need to do to earn it? We need to stop doing that. We need to stop beating ourselves up. How many of you can beat yourself up? Oh, I am good at this. I am really good at this. I have a personal pharaoh on my shoulder who tells me how many bricks I have to make every day. And if it's a good day, he gives me straw to make those bricks. And if it's a bad day, that pharaoh don't even give me straw. And Marcus Borg actually talked about kind of having that. He said, you know, the, the nice thing about aging is that pharaoh gets tired. <laughs> so that voice starts getting weaker by how many bricks you got to make. 
The trees in the garden, I mean, you know, if you know the story, it's like, yeah, but didn't they get kicked out so they wouldn't eat the... Yeah, okay, you're right. But the point is, is that in the story, we are given a choice. Do we want to know how we, how, what we need to do to be right? Or do we want to see what we need just to have life? The price of being a Christian is high. And that price is, are you willing to embrace the life that God holds out for you? Will you shrink back in fear and say, no, 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 I'm not worthy of that love? Julian of Norwich says it, I think, best. She says, in our eyes we do not stand. In God's eyes, we do not fall. Both are true, but God's is the deeper insight. God loves us with a tender, passionate love. God embraces us in a way that no one else will ever embrace us, and we can leave our crazy family and be part of something really cool. But as children, we need to get over our own insecurities. And we've got to stop going back to the the tree of knowledge of good and evil and say, I want the tree of life. Because that is what I was promised. That is who the person of Jesus is for us. And as the body of Christ, that is who we are called to be for one another. Let us set aside fear. Let us realize that we have parents in this congregation who have adopted children and they love those children and if you say they don't, they will take you to the mat. And however great your love was, God's love for us is even greater. And that is good news. Amen.